What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Guggenheim. We are recapping week 12. Been away for a little bit. I had a a podcast about C.J. Stroud and why he's being criticized for all the wrong reasons. And then I I did a picks podcast without knowing what happened in week 11. And now I'm back. It's rivalry week. It's the I think the biggest week of the season for the Big Ten, and it's not just because Ohio State-Michigan, the game, a lot of big games coming up, so make sure you like, follow, subscribe, make sure you are tuned in this week. It's a big week for college football, big week for the Big Ten, a lot of big games, Obviously, the biggest one being Ohio State-Michigan, but a lot of other other big games, too, and a lot of bowl implications. Uh, the Big Ten West is going to be decided this week. Uh, I think there's three, really three teams that have a shot to get in uh, into the Big Ten championship game. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. I, I will be honest. So I was, I was on vacation this past week, and... We were on vacation. We went on a cruise. And my wife and I, we like to cruise. We like to kind of get away from it all. I'm, I'm not really a cabin in the woods type of guy. And so I like to go on cruises, the, the sun, everything like that. And I'm too cheap to buy an internet package. The The downside, it's the biggest downside of going on a cruise in the fall is that at least in Royal Caribbean ships, they have like Caribbean ESPN. And so I'm like ready to go watch college football. And they have cricket and soccer on and Madam Secretary. And I'm like, why is Madam Secretary on instead of college football on a Saturday? And I've got my Ohio State jersey on. I'm not a, a podcaster at that point. I am a fan, ready to see Ohio State beat up on Indiana, and then a week later, ready to see Ohio State play Maryland, and Madam Secretary's on. And I'm like, what the heck? And so, if you're a huge college football fan, maybe don't go on a cruise in November. <laughs> Just saying. But so I, I've trying to been trying to catch up on all all the happenings of what's been going on, and I was able to to watch some cut ups and, and and whatnot. Weird, weird week of college football. Um, I did get to see some of the USC UCLA game on the ship. I'll, I'll talk, a little, you know, that those traditional Big Ten powerhouses that that uh, that will be in the conference in a couple years. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk a little bit about Tennessee losing and what that might mean for the Big Ten going forward because I do think there are some implications there. But we're going to start We're gonna start kind of with the, 
some of the the games that didn't maybe have Big Ten championship implications, but were still, I think, important in the context of the conference. So I'm, I'm going to start with, uh, you know, I'll start with Penn State. They they look every bit like a top 10 team. And I know they beat up on Rutgers. You know, it was close in the first quarter, 14 to 10. You know, and, and I, I still... Rutgers, you know, there's there's context with Rutgers, right? Because, I, and I, I want to be very charitable to Rutgers. I think they're improving as a program. They're getting better players. They're not the doormat that they were. But they also are getting blown out by 40 against Penn State. And, you know, they're not always, you know, they're not able to compete still against the upper echelon teams and that's that's encouraging to me if I'm a Penn State fan because Penn State didn't fall off a cliff like they did last year after they lost uh, to Iowa they have been I think they've gotten better I think they've been more dominant as, as things have gone on and I think that's a big deal for the for the conference as a whole because I, I think Penn State, I, I'll, I'll say this, if Penn State, if we were in a 12-team playoff and Penn State got in, I'm not sure I want to face Penn State. Like they have, you know, they're getting better. They have the freshman running backs in Singleton and Allen. You know, Sean Clifford, I know people don't like him, but he did, he is now the second quarterback in Big Ten history, I think to have eighty pass touchdowns and fifteen rushing touchdowns. The last, the only other one to do it is JT Barrett, and in a lot of ways, that's a longevity award, right? Like he's played for four years. Um, but I'll say this: Clifford's a competent quarterback. Sometimes he's really, really good. He's got good receivers. Their offensive line is better than it's been. The defense is nasty. That defensive secondary is really good. I think Penn State is going to finish in the top 10 in the rankings, maybe even higher, depending on what happens the next few weeks. And I think that's going to factor into the playoff. And and not that Penn State's going to make it, but I think it's it's going to boost both Ohio State and Michigan's resumes. We'll talk about that a little bit at the end. But... I'm in, I'm encouraged by how Penn State is finishing the season. Obviously, they have a a big game against Michigan State, which I am sorely disappointed in Michigan State the way that they fell short against Indiana. I, I thought Michigan State had turned a little bit of a corner. And instead, they they fall flat. You know, they're up twenty four to seven at half, and they allow a big play to a running back. They allow a kickoff return. Uh, you know, Sean Shivers had a big rushing touchdown, and then they had the um, the kickoff return, and they couldn't kick a field. They couldn't kick a field goal as time was expiring. They couldn't kick a field goal in overtime. And I, I get it. It's rainy. It's bad conditions. 
But listen, if you double up somebody in yardage, you better win that football game. Michigan State had over 500 yards of total offense. And, I mean, they ran the ball really well. Now, some of that was just chunk plays and whatnot, but they were one of four on fourth down. They, you know, they missed a, it wasn't even a long field goal. It was a 22-yard field goal uh, at the end of regulation. It's like, how do you, how do you miss that? And as much as I have been a Mel Tucker defender, he's got a lot of questions. I I think he's got to look at his staff and ask, how how do we, you know, who, what changes do we have to make? Because this this Indiana team, you know, they, and listen, they they had I think Dexter Williams is his name was the the quarterback that was in uh, for Connor Basilak. You know, he's athletic, right? Really athletic. He can run the ball. He was two of seven as a passer. So, like, right, Michigan State's defense, their weakness is the is pass defense. They gave up thirty one yards in the passing game. Right? And besides the 79-yard run by Sean Shivers, like, it was 43 carries for 100 and... Let me do the math here. One, It was 43 carries for 178 yards, which is like f- four yards a carry. I don't think it's even four yards. It's, it's barely four yards a carry. It's barely four yards of carry. Like, you got to win that. I, and I, I just don't, I, I don't know how, how they lose that game when Indiana had two receptions all game. You know, and it's not like Michigan State turned the ball over that much either. They, I think they had one turnover. But in, Indiana had zero sacks. Compared to Michigan State's three, you know, Indiana did have a pick. I think that was the to, to end the game, right? Um, I didn't, I didn't see the, the 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 ending. So if I'm wrong on that, I'm sorry. I I just saw the I saw the score and then I saw what how Indiana won it, and I I it's like I don't need to see how Michigan State blew this. I saw how they blew it in regulation. This is one of those games where you're like, stop playing with your food. And finish the darn game, and they and they didn't, and because of it, they're going to miss out on a bowl, unless they somehow upset Penn State, which I don't see that happening at all next week. But this is it. it it's it is a mind blowing choke job by the Spartans, and, and it's a bummer because I thought Michigan State was gonna was gonna rally, was gonna make a bowl game. You know, I think I thought you know Mel Tucker was going to acquit himself quite nicely, as as the team got some guys back. You know, they beat Illinois, they you know beat Rutgers. You know, they 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 had won three out of four, beat Wisconsin, beat Illinois, beat Rutgers, and then he lose to Indiana. And and listen, I, Indiana, good for Tom Allen. You know, good for them. Again, they're a four and seven team that probably should be one and ten. And, you know, might be one of Tom Allen's best coaching jobs, quite honestly. Um, 
if they somehow upset Purdue next week, you know, even though they're not going to a bowl game, that's that's a heck of a coaching job to go five and seven with that roster uh, and with that quarterback, uh, the, the the quarterback conundrum, and with Cam Camper being out. Uh, that, that's a tremendous accomplishment to go five and seven with that roster. So, uh, but to me, that the bigger picture, the the bigger story is Michigan State. They had built momentum and then they they choke it all away. And now they got to face, I think, a top ten level Penn State team on the road next week. I think that's going to be a rough a rough one for them. I don't think they're going to go bowling. Um, Wisconsin, Nebraska. I don't understand either of these teams. I, I just don't get it. Um, man, I feel like 15 to 14. Like, it's just, okay, eh. <laughs> eh. Right? Um, I, I don't know what you say about that. It, it was, you know, it was a game. Is a game, right? Um, you know, Bra- Braylon Allen has 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 not been uh, completely all right. Right, he you know injured his ankle, had a so- shoulder injury. Um, so he, he played, but he he hasn't been as effective. You know, Wisconsin ran the ball fifty two times for two hundred thirty five yards. You know they eked out a win to to close it out. And Nebraska, I think more and more we're learning that Nebraska's they they need to find a, a, a new coach. You know Mickey Joseph, he stabilized them after Scott Frost got fired, but he's he's just not the answer. And I mean that roster's terrible, but um, and, and that's nothing against the kids. It's just they're not they're not a competent Big Ten team right now. Um, same is true with Northwestern. And I know Northwestern put up a fight against Ohio State a couple weeks back. But, I mean, they're, they're just not – I mean, they're 1-10. in 10. They deserve to be 1-10. in 10. And, you know, Purdue probably should have won by more. Um, you know, but they got the job done. They're still in the Big Ten West race, which is a credit – uh, as much as I feel like uh, Jeff Brom has kind of choked away some some opportunities, you know they're right there. Um, they they need some help. They need they need an Iowa or they need Nebraska to upset Iowa, which I don't think is going to happen. Um, but yeah, I just good for Purdue. You know, this is a back to back. Yeah, as much as I, I've been hard on Jeff Brom, it's back-to-back seasons where Purdue has gotten at least seven wins. And that's – at Purdue, that's not a small achievement. And I I keep expecting them to do more. But if you look at the recruiting, you look at their roster – you know, again, remember, this is a Purdue team without David Bell, without um, – Gosh, why can't I remember his name? Uh, star defensive end. Uh, I can't remember his first name. Is George. Uh, how do I do this? I always think of something to say, and I think it's going to be great. And then it's like, 
I just completely brain fart. Um, man, I can't remember his name. Karloftis, George Karloftis. Didn't have Karloftis, didn't have David Bell. Had like another couple receivers out and they beat Tennessee. In Tennessee for their bowl game last year. Um, and so like Purdue can can hang. And that's a credit to coaching. As much as I've given Jeff Brom grief, he has been a really good hire for the Boilermakers. And I, I really hope that they can kind of get over the hump. I, honestly, I would love to see Purdue in over Iowa. Um, let's talk about Iowa and Minnesota. Uh, speaking of coaches that I give a hard time to, P.J. Fleck is is more and more convincing me that he is not – like if Minnesota is content with seven or eight win seasons every, every season, then Minnesota's got their guy. He is not going to get Minnesota to the top of the conference. And I know uh, Kaliak Manis or Kaliak Manis, I, I can't say his name. I know he's young, but listen, Minnesota wasted a 39-carry, 263-yard performance by Mo Ibrahim. They scored 10 points off of that. I, I don't know what you do. Like, it was at home. You you have this ridiculous performance by your best player. And, again, Minnesota had a chance to win this game late. Instead, there's they throw a pick, which I know that's what Iowa does. They throw a pick. Um just completely waste and, and it's not like like Iowa was I Iowa it, this is actually I feel like it's very similar in some ways, in some regards, to Michigan State and Indiana. Spencer Petrus played well, and I'll talk about him in a minute. But Iowa, Iowa rushed the ball 28 times for 59 yards. That's 2.1 yards a carry. Like that, and and granted, two of those uh, were team carries. I think were were either kneel downs or uh, I'm not sure what they were. But you know, Caleb Johnson eight carries for 43 yards. Lashawn Williams 11 carries for 38 yards. Gavin Williams two carries for eight yards. I mean, they're not averaging. That many yards, they're, they're averaging, I don't know, like, you know, a little less than four yards a carry, maybe, or a little bit more than four yards a carry. It's 21 carries for 89 yards. So 21 carries for 89 yards. It's a little over four yards a carry. It's like 4.2, 4.3, which is. Okay, Minnesota averaged 6.2 yards per carry on 50 carries. How do you not win? And it's turnovers. Kelly Akamanis, one pick. You know, Mo Ibrahim lost a fumble. But it, it's... Minnesota has... 
And also, they, they missed a field goal, by the way. Um, it's like Minnesota does this all the time where it looks like they could be – they can get over the hump and then they just shoot themselves in the foot. And I just – you know, at some point you are who you are. And I've said that. You know, I say that a lot on this podcast. Once there is is – a narrative established about you, typically 90% of it is true, and it's really hard to change it. So Scott Frost was a good example. Scott Frost, you know, two years ago, when he started losing all these close games, I'm saying, I'm like, he just doesn't know how to win a game. And everybody's saying, oh, wait till next year, wait till next year. It's like, no, don't wait till next year. He has proven he can't win a game. I don't care if he was the best three and nine coach in the country he was three and nine that kind of defines you at this point pj fleck talks a big game has a lot of energy is good for one or two shocks a year like maybe he'll pull a big upset or maybe he'll get close to a big upset and then he chokes like once or twice a season like and and it's I know it's the players that are out there, but teams will resemble their coach and their demeanor. Like that's why you look at Nick Saban's teams, and I know they're not doing well. They're doing as well as we thought this this year. But like you never feel like they're going to lose because Nick Saban just doesn't lose. And when, he, and when they do, it's like the world's on fire because Alabama lost, right? Um, Urban Meyer, you know, everybody for a while, everybody was expecting the Urban Meyer big loss to an Iowa or a Purdue because it became a trend, right? So I, the trend with, with Minnesota is that they get up for the big games or they get up for big games and they might shock you. And then there's other ones where you're like, you really could have won that game, and you didn't. Why? And it's just I feel like that's just what Minnesota's doing. Now, I do want to talk about Spencer Peters because he's taken a lot of heat, including from me. Over the past few weeks, I, he's never going to be a game-breaker. But compared to where he was a few weeks ago, he's starting to look like the guy that we saw at the end of 2020, at the beginning of 2021, where he's doing enough to keep his team in the game. You know, he's not just a lost cause out there. He's not, you know, fumbling the ball away or anything like that, but he's actually moving the ball downfield. He's hitting some big plays to his tight end, Sam Laporta and uh, uh, Breck. Is it Brecht? Is the – no, I'm, I'm thinking of uh, Lecky, uh, Luke Lecky. Sam Laporta, you know, hitting those guys. The offensive line, I think, is starting to starting to gel a bit. And I'll tell you what, but whether it's Michigan or Ohio State, I think Iowa will beat Nebraska next week and will make it to the Big Ten championship game, which I know uh, – I forget who it was that, that messaged me about Iowa – preseason when I said that I thought they'd go six and six or, or five and seven and you know told me I was 
being foolish for sleeping on Iowa. I know, I know, I know Iowa's probably going to the Big Ten Championship game and I was wrong. I was wrong about a lot of things. I know, I know. I also think if if this version of Iowa goes up against either Ohio State or Michigan, I still think they lose. I don't think it's going to be as lopsided because I, I think Spencer Petrus has kind of gotten his rhythm back. I think the offensive line has gelled a bit. I think that defense is still nasty. And I think it'll be a better game in Indy, whoever they play, um, if, if Iowa, get, Iowa gets there. Let's, let's talk about uh, Michigan and Illinois first uh, out of the last two games. Um, first off, I, I was stunned. Well, I shouldn't say stunned. So I, I, when, when I did my midseason preview, I said Illinois would go two and three. I didn't think it would be the way they did it, but they've gone one and three, and now they get Northwestern. I'm assuming they'll beat Northwestern. I'm, I'm assuming that they will beat. Uh, they will be able to to overcome them. Pat Fitzgerald always has something up his sleeve. You know, he he hasn't forgotten how to coach. He just can't recruit right now. Um, but Illinois, I, I really thought after that first win, after the midseason preview, I really thought they were, they were going to clinch and instead they've lost three straight, you know, they lost to Michigan state, they lost to Purdue and they lost to Michigan. And I, I think the disappointing thing is I think what you saw in the Illinois Michigan game is what Illinois is capable of. Like they went toe to toe with a really good team on on their senior day, and they took it to them. And they honestly probably should have won. And I think what surprised me about watching that game back was just how much it it felt like Illinois missed some things. Michigan certainly missed some things as well. You know, J.J. McCarthy missed some throws. And obviously Blake Quorum was out in the second half. Donovan Edwards was out the entire game. So that, that's a big deal. But I thought, I, I didn't think Illinois played their A game. And they still probably should have won that game. They were on the road. They, they did a good job of at least containing... Michigan's pass game. And so I'm, 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 I was a little surprised by that. And, and I think if that version of Illinois goes out and plays Michigan State and uh, Purdue and obviously Indiana back early in the season, you know, Illinois is probably sitting at 10-1 and one or 9-2 and two instead of 7-4. and four, And they've already clinched the West. But all that being said... They, they still have overachieved. And, you know, what, what I said in the midseason preview, and I, you know, after the first game, I was like, ah, oh, I was wrong. I, I was right. And it's one of the few things I was right about, so I'm going to gloat about it a little bit. Illinois went one and three. 
this is still an overachievement by this roster. They've got some NFL guys. Chase Brown's a stud. Tommy DeVito has, I think, played really well at quarterback for Illinois. And I, I, I honestly still think they're the best team in the West. Unfortunately, they're just not going to get, they're probably not going to prove it unless if there's chaos and Purdue loses to Indiana and Iowa loses to Nebraska, which I just don't think is going to happen. Um, but I thought, you know, th- this is a really good coaching job by Brett Bielema, who they, they, I don't think they have enough talent. I think they, they kind of hit a wall, and it's it's hard to deal with success when you haven't dealt with it in a while. So I, I still give Illinois props. I think they end up 8-4. and four. It's just unfortunate they're not going to get to the Big Ten championship game. I, I think Michigan, it's hard to win, and I, I think people will look at Michigan and be like, "Oh, see, like they struggled. They, you know, they're they're not as good." And you know, they they are who we they they are who they are. They're not going to be an offense that scores fifty in the first half, right? And because of that, they have a lower margin for error, which you know, we we've been saying that since the beginning, right? And it leads me to Ohio State and Maryland, and it's obviously Ohio State Michigan game. Ohio State has a larger capacity to make mistakes. They, they have more room for error because of their explosiveness. But don't make, a, don't make the mistake of thinking that that means Ohio State is clearly the, the team that's going to win on Saturday. Uh, Michigan found a way to win. They have a really good field goal kicker. Um, really great kicker. Really, really great running game. I think the offensive line is maybe the best in the country. Maybe they're a shade under Georgia. Um, But, listen, this is a a really good team. Jake Moody is the kicker who was 4 of 4, won the Groza Award last year. And I think Michigan has the personnel, honestly, to make things hard for Ohio State. You know, Mozzie Smith anchoring the middle of that line, that's that's going to be a problem for Ohio State's offensive line, uh, particularly their interior, I think. Their their interior line has not been very good. Uh, I, I shouldn't say it hasn't been very good. They have, they have not been the strength of that offensive line. Um, but I, Michigan, if they don't get on you, games like the Illinois game can happen. And so... They found a way to win. That's what championship teams do. It's what Georgia's doing right now. You know, not every game has been a win by 40 points, but for Georgia, Michigan found a way to win, and now they, they go on the road for to see who's going to represent the Big Ten East in the Big Ten championship game and who's going to represent the Big Ten in the, in the playoff. Let me, let me talk about Ohio State-Maryland real quick. I I came away from that game confused. I thought Maryland, unlike Illinois, I thought Maryland played their best game of the season. I thought Talia Tungavailoa looked like the best version of himself in a lot of ways. I thought the receivers looked like the guys 
that I thought they could be at the beginning of the season. And I'm not I'm I'm not just saying that because they played Ohio State. This is not the same Maryland team that got crunched by Penn State, right? Now I do think part of it Ohio State's defensive backfield is not nearly as skilled as Penn State's. So it's a bad matchup. But Tungabailo has been hurt. And uh you know, so that that's not good. I, but I thought I thought Ohio State got Maryland's A game. It was their senior day. Um, at least I think it was their senior day. Let me just double check that. Um, it was not their senior day. They're, they're playing Rutgers for their senior day. But it was an opportunity for them to make a big statement. And I thought they took it to Ohio State in the first half. And then... You know, watching that game, and the commentary afterward was interesting because everybody kept saying, oh, like, Ohio State almost lost. Ohio State almost lost. Maryland took them to the limit. And it's very easy to miss in that game that in the third quarter, Ohio State scored 17 unanswered. Now, part of that was good offense. Part of that was a blocked punt. But they, I mean, they were up 27-13. Maryland comes and scores. It's 27-21. Ohio State gets the ball back. Good field position. 33-21. So they, I think they went touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. 33-21. They're about to go for two. And they do, the. they're dumb, you know, clock management where they get a, a five-year penalty, and so they decide to go for an extra point instead, which I don't know why they would do that. It's the second time they've done it. So now they go for an extra point, and they don't block it up right. And instead of it being 35-21, if they get a two-point conversion, and they're up by 14, they give up a two-point... Uh, it's 33-23... And on the ensuing drive, it's 33-30. And so the score, if I'm honest, the score was not indicative of how much Ohio State dominated the second half. And, like, listen, I get it was close. And and obviously the the junk score at the end for Ohio State to make it 43-30 wasn't, you know... Doesn't make it indicative either, but I just it was it was a weird game, right? I I thought Ohio State, I didn't think C.J. Stroud looked particularly crisp. Obviously, the running back situation, you know, Dallin Hayden, who's like their fourth string running back because one through three are all hurt. He comes in and has a monster game. I if I'm an Ohio State fan, which I am. I'm I'm actually encouraged by what I saw because the thing I was really concerned about was their run game on offense and their run defense. They checked both boxes in this game. Obviously, the pass defense struggled. But I think in terms of the Michigan game, this was a good sign for Ohio State but they cannot be this sluggish next week. 
So I, I think Ohio State-Michigan is going to be a great game. I have not thought about who I'm going to pick. I, I, I have a leaning, but I, I need to think about it and break down the game more. Just because I, I think it's a good sign for Ohio State, I, I still think Michigan is going to be a tough out. And I think their offensive line, I, I think they don't get the credit they deserve. They're, they're really good. They're really, really good. Um, so that'll be, that, that'll, that'll do it. I will have top 10 in power rankings, uh, sometime later this week, I'll have a pod devoted strictly to Ohio State, Michigan. Um, and I'll, I'll, at some point I'll talk about, probably during the top 10, I'll talk about kind of the whole landscape of college football and, and even the question, can Ohio State and Michigan both make the playoff? I think it's possible. I think USC's got to lose, but I think it's possible, especially with uh, Tennessee losing this past week. But let me know your thoughts. Send me an email. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram. This has been the Big Ten Football Talk Podcast. Thanks for listening. Take care. God bless.